Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Hi, everybody. Hey, Mel, what's going on? I'm just hanging out in my cave. Yeah, during the apocalypse. Yeah, living my dream. Yesterday, I didn't leave my room the whole day except to go to the bathroom. Oh my gosh. My tank of gas has been lasting for like three weeks now. I have not had to get any new gas. It's been kind of crazy. That's awesome. I wouldn't know. <laughs> well, today we have a special guest on our podcast. Um, we reached out and asked anybody who wanted to be on our podcast if they wanted to join us. And today we have a special guest named Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. I'm excited to be here. Welcome. It's really exciting. Um, I want to know because Mel kind of like, I kind of got to see how you guys um, came together and met each other, but you guys have some, um, what would you call it? Coincidences in... How you guys met. In so tell us about that. I don't know what they are, but like. Well, we were supposed to meet. Yeah, us, we, were, we were supposed to get together before, you know, the coronavirus apocalypse happened. Um, so when I found out that they that the show that Mel was working on in New York was playing out of town at Bucks County Playhouse, I reached out because I live like 15 minutes from Bucks County Playhouse. And I actually did shows there when I was um, in high school. Um, I was in two main three main stage productions and a bunch of children's productions and my brother was in four main stage productions um in fact he was in 
Oliver. My brother was in Oliver with the original adult Simba on Broadway. Like when he, when this guy was 18 and both of us were in shows with one of the founding members of Naked Boy Singing. (laughs) (laughs) But that was just your first coincidence, right? Not the Naked Boy Singing part, but (laughs) (laughs) the story is, I think, I believe Rebecca, you reached out on Facebook or something, right? Um, Yeah. And you said that you heard that I was going to be a new hope. And so we had planned to meet, sort of. Like, we had finally started communicating, and I got through tech, which Rebecca knows is crazy since she's done shows we before. We call it Hell Week for a reason. Yes. And so, <laughs> um, unfortunately, of course, my show uh, closed, opened and closed the same night, which was still at the end of the tech process, and then I had to get out a new hope. So we never ended up meeting. So we're meeting now via Skype. I'm super yep. excited. For the first time. Yay. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us. We're excited to have you. You are our very, very first guest ever. Yay. Ever. No, it's when you asked if I wanted to be, I was like, oh, my God, I would be honored to to be a, a member of your your podcast for a day. That'd be awesome. Thank you. We're a little <laughs> wacky. So that Well, that's perfect. I love wacky. I mean, like, you were the, when I started thinking about, podcast for for widows specifically young widows because it's it's different you guys know it's very different um you guys were the first one that I came across and you know you were pretty new into your podcast and I was like oh my god they they get it they get it and it it helped a lot you know especially your um the one that I I found two that I found super helpful was the one how to help others who are going through grief, like how to be grief adjacent and the, the headstone episodes were, were like spot on for me. So it, it helped me have, you know, I went in with an expectation like that, okay, I might get all these books and I might have to look at all these images. Fortunately where I went, they didn't do that, but I was prepared for it. And I know that, you know, cause I'm on a couple of widow groups in, in Facebook and, you know, some of them really, were overwhelmed and I was like okay you need to listen to this this episode of this podcast it will will help you so thank you for for what you guys have been doing it's it's been a huge huge support cool um we gotta back up like 12 steps because we never introduce ourselves (laughs) hi I'm Anita oh (laughs) I'm Mel and this is Rebecca (laughs) and we're just three young widows trying to figure out Widow. Widow. Now. Now. (laughs) Good job. We threw that in. We didn't tell Rebecca. She had to be part of the intro, so. Well, she she has great improv skills, you know. So, Rebecca, why don't you just give us um, a quick rundown of who you are and kind of your backstory and maybe a little bit about your husband and you and um, just kind of let us know your story a little bit. Okay. So, um, I'm Rebecca. I'm... 41. I'm a Jersey girl. And um, I met my husband a little over five years ago. We met on an app called Coffee Meets Bagel. Um, I was actually his very first match on on it. And um, when we went on our first date, we had to wait like two weeks because the weekend after we met, we both had obligations that we couldn't cancel. And this was the first time in years that I wasn't already annoyed by a guy before we went on the first date. 
<laughs> like he hadn't said anything or done anything to like piss me off. So he already had like a great, um, you know, a great start. And then not only did he feed me because I had a couple of dates where like, hey, let's meet at this restaurant around dinner time. And then we had a drink and they left and I was like, but I put on Spanx and <laughs> you're not even feeding me. Like, like that's awesome. Um, and he came in like a button up shirt and like real pants. And there was like no elastic on anything he was wearing except I guess underwear, which was also another, you know, um, tick in his favor because <laughs> yeah I've also had the guy show up in sweatpants what dating's hard <laughs> I feel like your bar was very low so far <laughs> so. oh no it yeah like at one point a friend of mine was like so what are you looking for in a guy I'm like well it, it'd be nice if you had a job <laughs> yeah that's kind of like how it is these days yeah and especially this was during like the last recession like like late 2000s mm. when like gas prices were like five bucks and like and if he had like a discount gas card that would also help my hour and a half commute to work so <laughs> yeah um and he was like our first date was a disaster um it like our we had to wait forever and then we like when we got to the table there was no it was like the the half half booth half chair type table and there was no chair and it took another 20 minutes to get a chair but like the conversation never stopped and you know he thought I was never going to talk to him again because this date was awful but like you know it was just he, he was amazing like I might cry I'm having a rough week with it coming up on Easter but um you couldn't help but love him like everybody who ever met him loved him like he, even even his doctors were like when he passed were like we can't believe it like i one of his one of his his doctors had to wait the whole weekend and call me on monday because he had to get his emotions under control because he had to before he could talk to me because rob was just that that person like every he he had an effect on everybody he met and everybody loved him. Um, he was a chiropractor, so he was also a healer, um, oh which was great because I have like, you know, I have psoriatic arthritis and, and all sorts of other things. So, you know, he fixed me. But, you know, since he, you know, he got sick and, and um, then he passed away, um, my body did not adjust well to the not having regular. Like no pun intended, right? It did not adjust. <laughs> I have to make sure I go every week. Otherwise, like my body just doesn't doesn't work right. But um, so we got married in 2016. We met um, January 2015. We got engaged November 2015 because, you know, we were both in our late 30s. And it was like, when you know, you know. And we're not, you know, 20 year old kids who have like forever. So like, let's, let's do this. We got married exactly one week shy of our one year engagement anniversary. And, um, 10 days before our first wedding anniversary, he was diagnosed with a rare aggressive form of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Ah, that then converted to 
the most common form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but still extremely aggressive. In 25 months, he went through 10 completely different treatments, including a CAR T-cell treatment that didn't work last March, March 2019. Um, And then he was supposed to go in for a bone marrow transplant. And before he could get the bone marrow transplant, it started the cancer started to come back. Like he was never fully in remission, but it was at a point where, okay, we'll just do a little radiation. It'll knock it out and we'll get you right in. It came back too fast. So they had to do these two rounds of like super, super aggressive chemo, which just weakened him immensely. Like he had such neuropathy in his legs after that, that he'd be standing and then he'd be on the ground. Wasn't dizzy. Wasn't anything. Just legs gave out. Um, And he was, he was super weak. He went in for his bone marrow transplant. He actually had his bone marrow transplant on his 40th birthday. And happy birthday. Yeah. um, Yeah. He had some complications, but not, uh, not complications. He had some side effects, but they were all normal side effects that you get from a bone marrow transplant. Um, The only thing he had increased was some confusion, but they're finding that because this is all kind of like new territory with the CAR T cell treatments, they're finding they were finding that people who had the CAR T cell treatment and then had the bone marrow transplant had some increased confusion, but that it would resolve itself, you know, over time. Um, and you know, I was going up. I was staying the I was staying Saturday night into Sunday nights, and I was going up Tuesdays and Thursdays to see him. And those other days I was um, home doing his laundry, getting the house, um, you know, scrubbed and put so that when he came home, it was completely disinfected and everything like that. Um, And the night before, the day before Thanksgiving, he was calling me a lot and he was agitated, but no, no more agitated than, than like nothing to that made me suspect. And I even checked with his nurses and nothing was, was suspect. And, um, I talked to him about 1030. We FaceTimed and I went to bed because, you know, my family and I were going to go up and, and see him on Thanksgiving, um, and have, you know, spend some time with him. And at 12, 45 my phone rang and it was a hospital and it was the rapid response team and they told me that you know um code it and they were performing cpr and if i could get there get there so i jumped out of bed threw on clothes called my mom at, at the time and i told her what's happening she's like i will be right there you're not going alone drove the hour to the hospital he was in and um when i got there and i rounded the corner to go to his room the doctor was standing outside his room and I knew at that point. Um, and, you know, he said, I'm very sorry. We we worked on him for, for half an hour and we just, we couldn't get him back. And half an hour is a long time to work on somebody. They don't normally work on, on somebody that long. And um, what, and, and, you know, like you guys said, you, you don't, like in the, movies and the tv shows they show you like the hysterics and like it was just like a full body numb sensation 
like I got really warm and then really numb and I was just like uh okay they got me a chair and the nurse explained what happened she was actually in the room with him he was getting a breathing treatment because um you know one of the side effects is that you can just have some trouble breathing so basically like a nebulizer it was a nebulizer treatment and she was in there with him for about a half an hour because and they you know they were talking and joking and he was fine and she left the room for not even five minutes to get more of his medications and when she left the room he was sitting up in bed talking to her no problem and when she came back in his head was back and his heart had stopped so what I've told everybody is that he did not give up but his body gave out Mm -hmm. um and I found myself on thanks at um as of 12.58 a.m. Thanksgiving morning, I was a widow at 41. Uh, at 40, I hadn't turned 41 yet. And it was, you know, like, you know, numb. Um, the hospital was great. They they let me have as much time with him as I, as I needed to. Um, the... Funeral director was amazing. Sorry. Um, Don't you know, be sorry. Um, you should cry because we have no feelings. Yeah. He's actually still in contact <laughs> with me and he checks on me, especially with everything going on. Um, you know, but it's just like, uh, you know, here I am, 41. We, we never got a, a chance to start a family because he was diagnosed, um, you know, just so soon after us getting married, he actually started showing symptoms on, um, the cruise on a cruise. So we had to, we started our, our journey with this, um, with the symptoms having to get off the boat in Canada and, and navigate Canadian medicine, which is so different. Um, but just, it's just so, it's so weird. Like, and it sucks. And I've looked for a different word. You know, I'm an English teacher and I've looked for a different word to replace sucks, but there isn't one. Like this whole situation just sucks. And, you know, I'm, I'm not the person who's like, you know, why me and, and things like that. But it's, you know, I, I tried to find a little bit of, of meaning behind it and, um, it's just so, so weird to find yourself, you know, at, at for, and I've dealt with a lot of grief in, in, in my life. You know, I've had, my grandmother was buried on my 10th birthday. Three months later, my godfather passed away. Um, we've had, by the time, from the time my husband and I got engaged to the time we got married, um, our guest list shrank because 11 people died in 10 months. Whoa. In like between our, our families. So, like, no stranger to grief, but it is so, so different. Um, I am, I guess, oddly fortunate that I have other young widows in my family. I had a cousin who became a widow at 44, eight years ago. Um, My uncles who passed away when I was 10, his partner is still in our life. um, And, you know, he became a widow at, you know, they they weren't married because in 1989, you know, there was no no gay marriage, but had there been, they would have been, and, you know, he's still in our lives. So he was, you know, a young widower at 36 and 
you know, pretty much every generation of my, both sides of my family has had a young widow in some way, shape or form. Um, it's just, it's a really sucky club yeah. guys are in it, but with me, but it still sucks. I know. Right. It's like, it's so great to meet you, except we're sorry that we met you because it's because of death. Um, right. So Rebecca, so you've, you just mentioned that you've had close family members that have become young widows or widowers had that prepared you not prepared you because you can't ever really prepare for this but what what did you notice from their experiences that either helped you with what you were then going through or what were some observations that you had well the first thing I I knew was that I was gonna get through it like I was we're not through it I was gonna survive it you know that as awful as this is it's a survivable event Um, and that was like the first thing that I was like, okay, if, and I mean, not all of my family members survived it well. My great grandmother dealt with schizophrenia after, you know, my great grandfather passed away at 43 when she was pregnant with her youngest of six. Oh yeah. Well, this was, you know, 1934, 35. So, you know, no TVs in the bedrooms and no birth control. (laughs) oh man (laughs) and you know so she dealt with she dealt with uh, schizophrenia to the point where um, my grandmother and my aunt and my youngest uncle on that side of the family were in and out of orphanages because she would have breakdowns and go into a psychiatric hospital for a while and then come back out and so not everybody in my family has gotten through it well, but everybody has survived it. So um, I knew I didn't want to be like great grandma, but um, yeah, I wanted, you know, I want it to be more like my uncle John who, who has, you know, eventually thrived in the situation. Um, so that was helpful to have, you know, kind of role models. And when I turned around to them and I was like, you know, being, am am I, I said to them, I'm like, am I right when I say that being a young widow is different? And they're like, no, absolutely. Cause we're not just grieving the loss of the person. And not to say that like, you know, my uncle Billy who lost his wife when they were in their eighties didn't have a significant loss, but they had had a life together. They had had a child, they had had grandchildren together not only are we mourning the loss of our spouse, we're also mourning the loss of the life we were going to have with them. So there's like a double whammy there. And they agree that, yes, you know, it's it's a different type of grief. And if you are a surviving spouse and you're 80 years old, I mean, common sense tells you you don't have the next 90 years or whatever to like grieve. It's going to be maybe, if you're lucky... I don't know, 20. Hopefully they don't live to be 100. Like I wouldn't want to if I were <laughs> a widow. But, you know, so there's a lot of time. I'm totally living to be 100. You know I am, right? I know that I am too. It's like going to be the curse of the century, literally. Um, so, Rebecca, so your Uncle John, what are some things you can tell us about how he's thrived? How is he doing now? What did you notice, like, right after um, your other uncle passed away? Like, can you give us an overview about about how he's handled all this? He's, you know, he he still lives with his his 
his grief every day, you know, there's not, um, you know, and I also knew that like the grief doesn't stop. It's not like one day you're like, okay, I'm not grieving my husband anymore or my, or my wife anymore. Um, it's just that you, you learn to, to live with the grief. Like you learn to, to live with any change in your life. Um, and that, you know, life doesn't, and I, I say this all the time, like my husband's life ended, but mine didn't. And, you know, he would be really pissed at me if I, if I did, you know, if I let my, my life completely stop. Um, and I saw that with, with my uncle John, you know, he, he stepped in and, and, you know, he, we're not blood related, but he has come to all our graduations and all the play. When I directed Jesus Christ Superstar, when I was 17, he was my assistant director. He's, you know, he's been there for us through every step of the way. And, um, you know, I just got to see how you can, you know, still, I mean, he, at one point he went back to school cause he had gotten laid off and, and got a, a I think an accounting degree and worked for STS for years. And, and, you know, he's, he's dated some people in, in the, in the past and none of them have really become permanent, but, you know, um, my uncle Rudy was his, the love of his life. And, you know, he just, the closest he found was, um, this one guy who I never got the opportunity to, to meet because I had just gotten laid off from teaching and I was working three part-time jobs to, to make ends meet. So I was always at work. Um, but he's, he was a makeup artist and, um, he's Colombian and, you know, he would, they lived together and, you know, my, my mom and, and this, this guy would talk and, you know, my mom mentioned, um, my uncle Rudy one time and he's like, Oh, I talk to Rudy all the time when I'm cleaning the house. And, you know, I'm like, Hey Rudy, how you doing? You know, this was, um, that was my, that was my uncle who passed away. So that was probably the one that we were all hoping for, but he got a really good job, like running the arts council back in, in his country of Colombia. So he went back there. Um, but they're still in touch and, you know, they still talk, but you know, um, life still occurs even though your, your, your spouse has passed away and you just got to kind of figure out eventually what you want that to be. And it's a process. Like I've, I've witnessed that it's a process. Um, so I'm not, you know, rushing myself, like at any point in time, I don't say to myself, you should be over this by now, or you shouldn't be crying anymore, because I know that that's not what's going to happen. And actually, I really appreciate I was watching the Connors last night. Um, I was watching it on my DVR. And they actually had a real conversation about grief and the loss of your spouse. Ah. And the guilt that comes with it, because Dan had dated a woman and felt guilty. And she, he's like, you know, every time I was having fun with her, I felt guilty because I wasn't with your mom. And I'm like, thank God popular culture is finally addressing what actual grief is like, not this fairy tale of, oh, I've met chapter two and now everything's great. And I don't miss my husband anymore. Like, and it was him and it was him and Becky because Becky's character has lost her spouse because the actor who played him did pass away in real life. Um, and I was just like, I got immediately onto Facebook and I was like, love that the Connors is having an actual real conversation about what grief is actually like for, for people, you know, and it's not this fairy tale, you know, everything gets wrapped up in a bow in 30 minutes. So that was fantastic. That's really nice that that's starting to become 
in part of culture now because I had no idea. I have two questions. My first question is, is what's your husband's name? We haven't gotten that yet. Oh, uh, Robert. Robert Thomas Robert. Robert. Did you call him Robert or Rob or Robbie or Bob? I called him <laughs> Bob. A lot of his friends call him Bobby or Bob Robbins or Bob Show because he was really into um, wrestling. So he had like oh. a thousand nicknames. Um, but, you know, I called him Rob. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But Then The Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Okay. Yeah. I always like to like speak people's names, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because just because I mean that they like went away and people are like weird about it sometimes, you know, like say the person's name because they think it's gonna, you know, spook you or something. I don't know, but okay. like you forgot. So Robert. Okay. Yeah. Like everybody, I'm like, I might cry. Don't take offense. Just hand me a tissue. <laughs> That's like how I start almost all interactions these days. Yeah. And it's like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. This is just normal. Like I've been, I was the crazy lady um, crying in ShopRite because I saw that iced tea. He loved the Arizona green tea. And like right after he passed away, I was in the, um, I was in the supermarket. I was like, oh, it's on sale. I need to stock up. And then I was like, oh, I don't. Cute tears in ShopRite. And I'm like, yeah. and people are looking at me and I got, and I'm saying to myself, I'm like, I am not the first person to cry in shop, right? This is not the first time I have cried in shop, right? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering, one of the questions that Mel and I get asked most often is about things that are helpful for somebody who's in the new grief stage. So I'm wondering if you can tell us some things that other people did for you that were really helpful right in the, you know, right in the early grief, right after things hit the fan um I did have a friend who offered to start a meal train I actually declined that only because it's just me um Mm -hmm. and I have a lot of food allergies and sensitivities um and you know I said to her I said you know I really do appreciate that and she was the first she was really the one who came through and was like the first one who was like okay I have this idea and I said, you know, I appreciate it. I said, and if I had kids, I would absolutely take you up on it. I said, but it's just me. And that would wind up being a lot of food, especially because in the beginning, I didn't always want to eat. Right. Um, like there was a lot of quesadillas being made. <laughs> so basically you were a child for a little while. <laughs> Plus, like there was, there was quesadillas made with, with, um, 
you know, I have a wheat allergy with the gluten-free tortillas and a lot of, um, they're just a step up from what I call dorm room um, nachos, which dorm room nachos are made in the microwave and it's just chips and grated cheese in the microwave. But because I'm, you know, a very sophisticated woman now, I put them in the toaster oven. Yeah. Oh, toaster <laughs> ovens are amazing. So, so I would eat nachos in the bathtub. So have you ever eaten your nachos in the bathtub? <laughs> Do you like baths or hate baths? I like baths, but I do not have a bathtub that is conducive to nachos. Oh, okay. Person, like I have to choose if I want like my lower half or my upper half to be submerged. You need a hot tub so that you can have like you can submerge all the way if you want and have room for the nachos. Or my dream house has a bathtub where both my knees and my boobs can be wet at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is living the dream it, it is and two dishwashers so i never have to put dishes away hey. oh that's a sensitive topic right now because my dishwasher is broken and it makes me want to cry oh no that's oh, all my <laughs> and i have four kids and they use fourteen thousand cups every single day so that's what my um quarantine has been is just washing cups all the, all the time that's all, that's I've all I've been. Been. i have a friend who's a lot who allows her children one cup and she puts like their name on it and if yeah. you don't if you if you put your cup in the sink then you have to wash it except our littlest one he's only five um yeah, we, yeah. we we try stuff like that they don't they don't actually listen to me no no it's fine though what else have i got to do okay so meal train was not something that was helpful was there anything else that you did find that was helpful um yeah, like I had, um, you know, right after the funeral, because when all this stuff came back from the funeral home, because like the funeral home set up a little vignettes that kind of like told about his life. Um, so a lot of stuff came back. And I had one friend who couldn't make it to the funeral, but came up the weekend after because she lives out of state. And, you know, she when she came over, she said, OK, she's like, I'm not expecting you. Like, I know you're not ready to like, you don't want to go through this stuff and put it away right now. But Let's organize it so you can walk in your living room. And she just helped me kind of like pile it systematically. And then I had another friend um, who said, you know, and it was the same friend who, who did the meal train. And, um, you know, I'm, I thought that my husband was just disorganized, but it turns out that he just did not have any sense of organization. <laughs> so So um, like when it came to kind of, because, you know, the last, no, no, go I would say. Out. <laughs> go play. Like, the last eight months, things were so crazy that, like, trying to keep the house organized no, was really, just, like, funny. a losing Out. battle. So, like, go, go, go. another friend and my brother, you know, helped, you know, just kind of get my, my house back my podcast my a little bit so that I could, could live. I'm sorry, I can't even I can't even listen to you because of the Just so you know, this but, is muted on my No, you should have not muted it. It's my favorite. It's the only thing that brings me joy. But this is like real life fun. <laughs> yeah, I love the real life. Okay, Rebecca, ignore Anita and you may continue. Just keep talking. <laughs> um, you know, and you know, even just the friends who who still check in on me and still send me the text message like hey how are you doing you know you know just that little hey how are you doing is like or you know one of 
Rob's good friends. Um, so he loved wrestling. So we would always um, have his, his one friend, Danny, um, over for the pay-per-views. And normally, like, and I would, like, cook stuff and make stuff. Um, and this one time, I just think it was just, a, like, a crazy weekend, and I didn't get to do that. And, you know, they were hungry. And I was like, well, I've got chicken nuggets. And they were like, okay, cool. And I'm like, okay, do you want regular chicken nuggets or dinosaur? And they both looked at me like I had eight heads. <laughs> These two, like, late 30s men. And they were like, uh, dinosaur? Yes! Like, I was the stupidest person on the planet. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> And as I'm making them, I'm like, duh, always dinosaur. Duh. Um, and about a month and a half ago, I get a picture, text message to me, and it's his friend Danny, and it's a tray of dinosaur chicken nuggets. And he yeah. goes, when I was food shopping and saw these were on sale, I laughed out loud in the aisle. And yeah. knew that he was telling me I had to get them. So just little things like that, that like happy memories, you know, um, we have a Christmas tree, our Christmas tree, you can change the lighting and um, one of the settings is purple and, and, you know, Rob would turn it to purple and sing purple tree, purple tree. And my brother, you know, mentioned <laughs> that this, this Christmas and was like, you know, that's one of my favorite Christmas memories of him. So like, just checking in and people who like actually are still celebrating him and who let me know they're celebrating him. Like, I don't, I don't care how you celebrate him. Um, and not, you don't have to like, every time you think that you like see an actor on TV and think of him, you don't have to text me, but something like the dinosaur chicken nuggets, that was kind of like a little inside joke for the three of us. Just, it makes me smile and it makes me happy that he's still, living on and you know he loved kids and um you know still getting you know pictures of like because like we had a ton of weddings to go to right after we got right before and right after we met and, and then got engaged I think we went to eight or ten weddings in a 18 month time span including our own well then Whoa. about a year and a half later there were like nine baby showers <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so like you know just you know getting the pictures of of the kids and and stuff like that you know also is really um you know and and you know the ones who are letting me know that like you know we're still you know even though she's on she's not quite two yet we still talk about uncle rob you know the, yeah. she you know they're gonna know who who their uncle rob was and that that makes me happy because then his legacy lives i on. totally agree with that yeah, and I love that they keep in touch with you, too, because, uh, you know, we've all heard stories of people that are not sure what to say or what to do and and that could have been in your life before. And then they may think, well, I don't want to make Rebecca sad, so I'm just going to stop sending pictures. And that makes it worse, right? Because they don't want to trigger somebody. So I love that they're still keeping in contact. I will say not all of – not everybody has kept in contact. Um, the ones that – aren't keeping in contact, weren't necessarily the best at keeping in contact just in regular life. So um, I'm not necessarily surprised by it. And I do know that there are some of his, his friends who were really affected by it. Um, yeah. Cause it was unexpected, even though he was going through cancer treatment, they were still talking cure. 
so this was a completely unexpected sudden death, even though he, you know, it wasn't like he got to end stages of, of cancer and they, you know, and I'm, if he had to, if he had to die, I'm thankful that it happened the way it happened because he never had to deal with the, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do. I was going to say, he didn't have to make the decision of, you know what, I don't, I just, I don't want to do any more treatment. Like he, like those, the, and those decisions were, were made for him. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that he didn't have to go through the, the stress and the trauma of, of dealing with those things. So a question that I get all the time and Mel and I asked each other this question really pretty early on is everybody wants to know if you would rather have a quick sudden death for your spouse or if you would choose, uh, you know, like a cancer death or a, a longer, more drawn out death where you kind of had the idea that it might be something that was coming. So, um, you know, Mel and I both had quick sudden deaths. So we have we have our opinions, but I want to know what your opinion is, which you would choose if you had to choose well, one of them. I mean, so this is kind of a weird situation because, you know, every treatment he had, one of the risk factors is death. You know what I mean? Right. Like every chemo treatment, like every piece of paper, every consent form that was signed listed one of the one of the possible side effects as death. Um, so although this was sudden and unexpected, it also was not so yeah it was honestly, on your radar at least i would actually prefer so yeah so we did have conversations about like you know god forbid this is what i want you know which you know i'm thankful because when i was faced with it i knew i knew the direction to take you know i knew where he wanted to be buried i knew where he you know what he wanted one, the one thing we did not do at his funeral was, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the TV show, Dr. Who. Yeah. Well, he's a huge, they call themselves Whovians. And I have a working knowledge of Dr. Who because I, I, my circle is the, is the, the nerdy geek circle to begin with, but I don't actually watch Dr. Who. And what happens is the doctor regenerates into a new form Basically, whenever somebody doesn't want to renew their contract or they don't want to renew somebody's contract. Um, but so that's how the show has spanned like 40 years and they've had like 13 doctors because the doctor regenerates into a new form. And they're wearing the clothes. The first time you see them, they're wearing the clothes of the doctor before them and then they take on their own style. So what Rob had said, and he actually told his friend Danny Gata, because they are polar opposites. My husband was a big guy, big teddy bear. Like he always said to me, baby, you got a type. Um, <laughs> and he, and his friend Danny Gata is about my height. I'm like five foot three and, and muscular and skinny and he works out. So um, the complete polar opposite of him. And he always said at my funeral, I want you to dress up in what I was wearing the when I died and say and run in with a sonic screwdriver and say it's a lot to explain but trust me oh my gosh but we did not do that because a you know he was in a hospital gown when he passed and it was December um and his friend Danny Gata actually called me up and said I'm not doing that and I'm like I don't expect you to but you know even just having that little piece of of information knew that you know and he always said, because, again, we went to a lot of funerals, 
with everything going on, with all our, you know, relatives dying. And when you're at funerals, you can't help but talk about what you might want at your funeral. And he always said, and he said, like, you know, I don't want the depressing music played. I want, like, Kiss and Billy Joel, because those were his favorites. <laughs> um, he's like, and he's like, you know, I want Always Look on the Bright Side of Life played. So I put it in, you know, the funeral director said, pick out 15 songs. And I made sure I put that one in there. And I put in Heaven's on Fire. And I put in Piano Man and um, all those, because that's what he wanted. Um you know, so I was I was thankful that we had had that conversation. Um, but if I had to choose, I would want it to be more like your spouse's went, where there wasn't the suffering leading up to it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because going through 25 months of cancer treatments is it's hell. And um, so I would actually, I'm glad that his death, when he did die, he didn't have to go through the end stages of cancer and that suffering and that level of pain. But I also wish that he didn't have to go through it at all. Your experience is kind of like a hybrid of somebody that does have to get to the point where they're like, okay, I'm stopping treatment and of the sudden death, right? Because like he was sick and he was getting treatment, but then his, when he did die, that was unexpected. Right. Exactly. So you're kind of in the middle of the two extremes. It seems like kind of like the crappiest of both. <laughs> no, no offense. Is that rude to say? Sorry, Rebecca. No, it is. It's, I have double crappiness. You know, we never, the thing that really sucks is we never got to be newlyweds, you know, um, because one thing I didn't say is six months after we got married, I had knee surgery and wound up with pulmonary embolisms. Jeez. Which I survived, but that's a long recovery. You know, it was it was a it was six months before I could walk from the car to the store without getting out of breath, and it was <laughs> before I didn't kung fu panda walking slowly up the stairs. Wow, spent so lots of hard things really consistently. So, what does your life look like now? Um, well, now we're quarantined, so it looks well, like everybody true. else. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it looks on Skype. So pre-quarantine life, um, I actually took um, my my doctor put me out of work for about three months um, because my my stress level and anxiety was just and and my cognitive function was completely lacking. Um, yeah, yeah, couldn't form sentences. Couldn't. I mean. Thank God I have a Keurig. Otherwise, I don't know how I would have gotten coffee into me. And that would have been a tragedy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I and, you know, being a teacher, you're in front of a classroom. And I also work in an alternative education setting. So it's, um, you know, there's security things that that have to be, you know, observed in the classroom. And I barely had enough cognitive function some days to get out of bed and to my couch. Um. So my doctor was like, no, we're, we're putting you out of work for, for three months. You need to process this. Um, I did make sure I made it, I made it a rule that I had to get out of bed every day. Some of those days I got out of bed and I went to the couch and I stayed on the couch, <laughs> but I made it a rule that I had to get out of bed every day because I could very easily just stay there. And that's not good for either my mental or physical health. Um, my birthday was one day short of a month after he passed away. 
And having a birthday two days after Christmas is sucky to begin with because nobody's ever around. And I think this is the first time since I've been like eight years old that like my friends made sure they were around. Um, and, you know, I made sure that I went and did something on my birthday and I didn't sit home and wallow. I made sure that I went and did something on New Year's Eve because I didn't want to sit home. But also going to my parents' house would have been worse. <laughs> you yeah. know, and. And I said that to them, like, no offense. And they're like, none taken. So I have um, friends who are musicians. And um, actually, Rob's favorite band, it's a Billy Joel cover band, was playing that night. And it was, and I have known the leader of that band since I'm 16 years old. He was actually, he did the music when I directed Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, and I know a lot of people there. So I knew that at least 50% of who was going to be at that bar, I know already just from being around him for the past 20 something years. So I knew, and one of the bartenders um, is his wife. So I knew she, she's like, I'll make sure I sit you in my section. And what I didn't know was um, the owner of the bar became a young widow last year. So we have a local, for my county, we have a group called Ladies of Hundred and on Facebook. And I went in there around Christmas time and I was like, hey, are there any other young widows in the group I just lost my husband. I'm only 41 and I'm looking for younger women in the similar situation to connect with. And I got an outpouring of either, some of it was condolences. Some of it was people who became young widows 20 years ago and wished they had something. And some were, re were young widows. So I wound up starting a young widows group in my county, which was starting to gain a little traction and then quarantine. Um, wow. But of course. she, um, I was talking to, like, I was communicating with one person. I saw that we had some friends in common, which isn't uncommon for people to know the musician friends of mine. And when I got there on New Year's Eve, I realized that she's the owner of the bar. Wow. And she said, yeah, come find me. And when I, when I saw, I went to find her and I'm like, hi, you know, hi, I'm Rebecca. She gave me this big hug and she goes, my heart broke for you because I knew exactly what you were looking for when you post, when you made that post. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find my little community and tribe, but, you know, I tried to get out of that. I mean, some days getting out of the house meant wandering around Walmart, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, a couple times my mom had to come get me like, um, the Christmas tree fell over around Christmas and I couldn't get it to stand back up and that just destroyed me. And she came and picked me up and took me to her house and I helped her rep presents and, um, so, you know, life is just, it's, it's a little lonely. So, you know, right now we're, we're all doing what we shouldn't be doing as relatively new widows, which is isolating and, and spending large amounts of time alone, especially those of us who, you know, don't have children and roommates. Um, you know, from the outside, it looks kind of normal. And, and, you know, I've got, I've created new routines for myself and new things I do. Um, but it's, you know, there's lonely and there's times that I miss him. And, you know, there's times that I'm watching TV or I see something on Facebook and I go to show him. He's not sitting there. And, you know, it's a little over four months out and I just, I don't think I'm ever going to get used to him not being there. 
it's such a big void and especially with what you say his personality is is big and everybody loved him and he was so well loved like it's it's an irreplaceable spot so yeah so it's been you just said um over four months right so it's yeah pretty it's super fresh still yeah it is you know and i and i have good days and i have bad days and i have everything in between um and i made the choice very early on that i was going to be honest about it um you know that if i'm not if I'm having a good day and people say, how are I say, you know, today's a good day or I'm okay. But if I'm struggling and somebody says, how are you doing? I say, I'm struggling today. You know, I'm because I, I really do feel like we need to start normalizing grief in, in our society. Agreed. Um, yes. And if, and if I'm a one woman force doing it, you know, I'm going to be honest about it. Um, you know, and if I'm crying in the jammy department of Kohl's, which I did four times around Christmas time, um, then that's what I do. And if anybody asks me, I'll be honest. And if anybody gives me a dirty look because they think I'm weird, well, that's their problem, not mine. My husband's dead. Yours is. You could punch him in the face. Right? I mean, do you ever go around? One thing that I always <laughs> would do, especially not so much right now because it's less um, fresh, but. I remember just like having to go to the store or go pick up prescriptions or whatever. And, you know, you're always carrying that sadness and you're it's like a loop in your head. And you're like, my husband said my husband said my husband's dead. And it's just like you see people in their normal life, like maybe cut somebody off with a shopping cart or be a jerk or whatever. And for me, I was always ready just to like knee jerk reaction, say my husband's dead. Leave me alone. Or like, you know what I mean? It's like it was always on the tip of my tongue. Because it was so much a loop of my brain in my brain, and it's like, how dare you like stress out over something stupid like your kid like running down the aisle for like five feet? Like your husband's not dead, mine's dead. <laughs> yeah, stop it. Wait, I have both of those things. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> sucker. Yeah, but I, you know, I really didn't run into like I knew it was going to happen because you know I I listened. I listen to you guys and I'm on the other widow group. So I knew that people were going to try to like compare things to, to losing their, my husband. And, you know, intellectually when it it didn't happen until I went back to work and intellectually, I knew what they were doing was they were trying to connect with me and they were trying to reach out to me and they were trying to tell me that, you know, they were um, there for me. But I had one coworker who compared her, estranged husband who's a drug addict to she knows what it's like to have to lose a spouse because the the man she married is essentially dead no 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 No. i didn't even say anything to her i just looked at her and blinked but i've never wanted to throat punch somebody more in my life and then i had another co-worker come in um partway through a conversation that i was having with another co-worker who knew that my husband had passed away and this was a co-worker who came into where I work while I was out. So didn't know me, didn't know the story. And we were just talking about like he, this, this coworker that knew my husband had passed away, asked me how we, how we met. And we were, and I mentioned internet. So we started talking about internet dating and this coworker came in partway through the conversation and goes, well, it couldn't have been that happy of an, that it couldn't have been that happy of a marriage if you're not together anymore. And I looked at him and I went, 
because he died. Oh, and, oh, and again, oh my god! And the look at the look oh. my other coworker's face, who's like this thirty-year-old guy, was like, "Oh no, you oh. didn't." And oh. like intellectually, I understand that people don't see me young and automatically think, "Oh, maybe she's a widow," but I was also. I was also raised that you, um, you know, you don't assume. <laughs> that's too loud. You gotta go. Yeah, that's too loud. A great. But yeah, I was like, because he died, and he was like, oh wow, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's like and what like, we <laughs> would say. Because he died. Because <laughs> so And it was, it was you get to like, though. That's I, like you're right. You yeah. earned that. And the other thing that I realize is that I don't give a f anymore. <laughs> And it's funny because I always like when I even when I was little, I couldn't wait to like be old and not have a filter anymore and be able to just not care and say what I wanted. Because I mean, I'm a Jersey girl, so I barely have a filter as it is. Um, and now I realize that it had nothing to do with being old. It had everything to do with all those women in my life who are widows. Wow. That it's the, that it's the widow status that makes you like my husband died. What are you going to do to me? Like it's true. And. That's how I feel during this pandemic. I, I wanted to ask you guys um, your thoughts on this as well. But it's like you hear everybody complaining or, or being like, we can just make it through. This is such a tragedy. And it is a tragedy. However, the stuff that we have lived through that's been such an assault on like our personal life, it's so much different than this pandemic, which is, again, a tragedy. Um, but for me, it's hard for – I have to shut off from people that are – really overly emotional about not of course there are people dying that is very tragic there's that that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about like oh no like I can't go out of my house and like we're quarantined or this and that and it's like you guys shut up because of what I've lived through with dead husband you know what I mean all this stuff that we've all been through where it's just like that's such an assault it's made this pandemic not as big of a deal to me as it is for the other people that have not gone through trauma like we have and I don't think I worded that correctly but do you guys kind of know what I'm trying to say yeah sort of yeah I think it I think it just gives you a different perspective on what is serious and what's not serious or yeah. not serious but what is like tragic and what's not tragic and what's important and what's not important I feel like the pandemic has just added on <laughs> to the layers of awfulness for me well yeah you're different. Like, sorry <laughs> yeah people are like oh my gosh I can't I hate that I'm homeschooling my four kids and I'm like I'm homeschooling my four kids and there's nobody else you know what I'm saying like there's no husband to pass them off to or to be but I still have great support and all that kind of stuff so but and then just, we're it's, like it's well we don't have kids because our husbands are dead <laughs> yeah well, what like for, I guess I'm fortunate because being um you know, being in the, in the arts, I have a lot of artsy friends who are kind of like artistic introverts to begin with. So like, they're all kind of loving the pandemic because they can like, that's Mel. Like, <laughs> yes. They're like, I, like I, I was, I was FaceTiming with my one friend. She's a filmmaker and she's like, I, I have, she's like, I'm actually learning how to use my DSLR camera because right. I got it. And I just like, okay, I need this to take pictures for things. That's She's like, but I'm actually learning how yeah. to use it now. Yeah. Um, right. What bothers me and what is kind of triggering me is all these people who are complaining about being home with their spouses. And I'm like, 
not really I'm joking. You know, I would give and, and not that my husband was annoying. But I would give anything to be annoyed by Rob right now. Right. Like yeah. I would I would rather he had this penchant for leaving sports drawers open. Like I would rather have my ankles taken out by his bottom drawer of his dresser a hundred times a day right now. Yeah. Like, and I want to be like, how dare you complain about the spending this quality time with your husband that you never would have gotten normally. Like I had my gallbladder out, um, in, in, um, October and I was out of work for two weeks. And then on the 6th of November, he went into the hospital and I'm thankful I had to have my gallbladder out and I got those two weeks home with him because, you know, a little over a month later he was gone. Like, you never know what's going to happen. Like, you need, like, in, enjoy this time. Enjoy the time that you have with your spouse because it's unexpected. You didn't know you were going to have it. You wouldn't have had it if we didn't have this pandemic. And God forbid something happens. Even if it happens 20, 30, 40 years from now, you had this time together, you know. And, and you know, just don't don't complain. At least you have your husband. Or your wife. Assuming they're not spouse. abusive. <laughs> Which just... <laughs> Assuming yes. they're not abusive. No, I'm absolutely... Yes. No, this is this is for the, the, the people who are in non-abusive marriages. And, you know, if you're in a place where your marriage maybe isn't doing great, well, now's a really good time to, you know, see if you can kind of work on that. So My Favorite Murder produces a podcast by Paul Holes. And Paul Holes is one of the investigators for the golden state killer crimes he's actually ah. responsible for um merging the worlds of like the familial dna ancestry.com sort of a thing into solving the case there's an episode of paul hole's podcast i can't i think it's called the fall line i can't remember but they have a whole episode on what do you do if you are quarantined with your abuser and then they give resources to help you to be able to like safely deal with that or get out or handle it or whatever. So not that anybody listening to a widow podcast is going <laughs> to have a need for that. But, but we might know somebody Yeah, but if you guys situation. do, if anybody does know, like keep an eye out for your friends in need and pass along the information. So yeah. But if you are in a good marriage or like a normal marriage that's not abusive, like enjoy the time that you have because your person is not dead. Yeah. Well, excellent. We have a very important question for you, Rebecca. This is probably the most important question of the whole podcast. Are you ready? I am. What is your favorite cheese? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't have one, top three. Okay. Um, it, it has to be a top three because I have a favorite hard cheese. I have a favorite soft cheese. Okay, that's fine. So... I love Fair a enough. extra sharp punch you in the back of the throat cheddar. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. And I love a really good blue cheese. The stanky. Mm. Like, especially blue cheese in a salad with some, like, cranberries and a balsamic, like, dried cranberries and a balsamic, um, a balsamic mm -hmm. dressing. Mm -hmm. Or whoever came up with the combination of mushrooms, shredded cheese, and blue cheese dressing is a genius huh i love it and, and i eat toppings only salads i don't waste time on the lettuce so like <laughs> i will make a salad that's just like <laughs> bell peppers 
<laughs> it's a it's salad like, in quotes. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's bell peppers and mushrooms and like grape tomatoes and cheese. And like you put some blue cheese or some ranch dressing on that. And it's just mm. divine. And bacon. Oh, yes. And bacon. Yes, bacon. Mm. yes, you're right. Bacon has to. Bacon makes everything yeah. better. So wait, um, back to the hard yeah. cheese. Back to the throat punch cheese. Do you have a specific brand you like, like the Tillamook in the black wrapper, or are there other kinds you can um, refer us I, to? I actually just discovered the Tillamook with the whiskey. They I don't know a, this. They have a whiskey cheddar. Really? That's really good. Um, they don't have that in Utah. Yeah, Utah probably. It's like <laughs> not allowed. <laughs> You could probably get it in New York, though, and bring it back to Utah. There you go. I'll mail you some cheese and eat it if I ever leave my room. Um, Don't leave your room. I won't, though. But honestly, like, just a good extra sharp cheddar. It doesn't have to be a specific brand. Like, don't give me a mild cheddar. Like, that's just offensive. Don't waste my time with a mild cheddar. Don't offend me with your mild cheddar. Yeah. And that's one thing that actually (laughs) Rob had said to me sometime over the summer. He's like you've ruined me. And I go, what do you mean? And he's like, I, you got me loving strong flavors. I can't <laughs> eat bland food anymore. And I'm like, yes, I succeeded. Your job is done. <laughs> because I, I come, I come from a family that's part Slovak, part German. So like, we like, like we eat kibasi and we eat like ham and like, we like strong punch you in the face flavors. And, um, after, after almost five years, five years he he also learned to love strong punch you in the face flavors i love it well rebecca i wish that we could have met rob i'm so sorry about him dying it sucks so bad it does so sorry that this is how we have come to know each other but also grateful that you were willing to talk to us so thank you so much absolutely Um, thank you and anita do you have anything else you'd like to add or ask or what else? No, just thanks, Rebecca, for uh, spending some time with us and um, giving us your story. Thanks for yeah. having me. And congratulations on your photo shoot. Ooh, I know. You can, she's looking at me on Skype right now and she can totally see my modeling abilities. <laughs> I mean, you do look pretty, <laughs> pretty rad with that headband. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I love that you are, even though the pandemic has interrupted things, I love that you're reaching out and starting kind of your own Young Widow community where you're at. So That's it's awesome. going to, yeah. I mean, have you reached out to them? Like, do you guys do any sort of like Skype or Zoom or anything? I'm trying to get that that going. Um, I, I posted in our little Facebook group, I guess, last week. Um, I do know that one of them works in healthcare, so she's been a little nuts right now. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, we'll, uh, even if I can't get like the whole group together, I'm going to try to like, at least individually reach out to, cause there was like, there were four of us who were really active. Um, but again, it was, it was pretty new. So, um, you know, we try to get together once a month. Last time we got together, we did ceramics painting and that was a lot of fun. Oh, fun. <laughs> That's really fun. Hey, I don't know if you know this person, um, but during the two weeks I was in New Hope, there was one of the, one of the, what's the name of the bar? Also, this, the one, the one um, bar that's just outside of the theater, 
uh, you know, of course, my friends are musicians and like, I'm a different musician. I get done with work and I'm like, I'm so tired. I have to go to bed. And they're like, we're done. Let's go to the bar. And I'm like, ah. So I, I like, you know, hung out for five minutes with them a few times. But it was awesome because there was this guy there, a local guy. And he just came up and was like talking to one of our musician friends that's like also very crazy. And all of a sudden he took his eyeball out. So we call him eyeball. Yeah. And the guy was like in his mid twenties or early thirties. So we call him eyeball guy. So Rebecca, if you run across eyeball guy ever, please say hello. I think his name is Jace. (laughs) I have. Okay. I have heard of him. I have never met him. (gasps) Really? Yeah, I yeah, he made yeah. really good friends with our orchestrator and our orchestrator is like amazingly hilarious and like rock star kind of a guy, but like this phenomenal musician with like classical orchestra stuff. And it's it's very he's very unique. So, oh, man. So you might meet eyeball guy. I might. Once we can get out and go to New Hope again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, my gosh. Um, that gives you something to live for, eyeball guy. Yeah, eyeball guy. We're on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just giving you assignment to go find him. That's it. So my brother might actually know him because um, he he spent he, he spends a little bit more time. I don't want to say my brother doesn't like hang out at bars, but um, <laughs> you know he he was he was doing a little bit more dating than I was more recently. Cause yeah, I was married. Um, so he spent a little bit more time in new hope. Cause that's like the place to go. Cause there's nothing to do in Hunterman County. <laughs> it's like farms and, and housing developments. So <laughs> you're on the assignment. It's official. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed getting to know a new voice today and a little bit about her story. And if you guys, Anybody else wants to reach out? We've got a few people lined up for the next couple of weeks. So shoot us an email if you want to chat with us also um, during the pandemic. Because, I mean, what's more fun than this? Do it. Give us a, an e- Give us a call. Call me. <laughs> Don't call me. Email me. Facebook message. Whatever. <laughs> Send us an email at widowwedonow oh, at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Um, so thanks for listening. And join us next time when we try to figure. Oh, well, are you out. serious? It really just cut out. No, we. Oh my god! Ah! <laughs> I know. I was like, hey, we should make. We should. We should have Rebecca do it since she's our new honorary I, widow, podcast I am widow. Absolutely. She's not you're even a real like widow. An honorary but... widow. She's like a. I know. You know what I meant. For my, real. I don't, my brain doesn't work. You know. Oh, widow. A real widow, yeah, but okay, an honorary podcast okay. widow. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, we hope you'll come back next time when we try to figure out widow, widow we do now. 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 Wow. <laughs> Skype delay is real, you guys. I know. That is a little bit tricky. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. 
it blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.